Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. Hope your week is off to an amazing start. I wanted to share about all the delicious recipes we've got over on the website, and we've been sending them out in our newsletters. We send out epic information in our newsletters, guys. Hormones and weight loss and essential oils and DIY and beauty care and recipes, all the good stuff. If you're not on our newsletter list, head on over to holisticwellness.ca forward slash newsletters. And we send out lots of epic content. We've got some freebies coming up soon, some secret stuff we're working on behind the scenes. So head on over to, again, that link is holisticwellness.ca forward slash newsletter, and you can get our weekly newsletter and all of our juicy details. So love for you guys to be on there and we can connect weekly. What else is in the news? So somebody asked me the other day if I had tried the Perfect Keto coffee. And yes, I have. And I love it. It's really, really good. And so I highly recommend you guys checking it out. It's one of those coffees like I don't get super jittery from. You know, I love like Four Sigmatic and I'm really conscious about which coffees I use. If I go over to Starbucks and have a coffee, literally, I feel like my heart is racing out of my chest. So I have to be really conscious about what coffees I use. And I also love to drink decaf as well. Sometimes it's just like the flavor of it is just so delicious. It's not necessarily needing the caffeine, but the Perfect Keto one is delicious. And if you're not a coffee drinker, I absolutely love the Perfect Keto matcha. It's so, so good. I believe it's matcha blended with MCT oil. I could be wrong. I can't remember. They have a whole bunch of products that I use and I love. So if you guys are interested in trying those out, head on over to perfectketo.com and you can save 15% off your orders. Just use the code holistic wellness at checkout and get hooked up 15% off. They got some really great products, lots of amazing products that I love using. So definitely check it out. I think you guys will love it. All right. So today we've got my girlfriend, Joy McCarthy on the podcast. And I'm super excited. It's been forever to finally connect and get her on here. And uh, we're both, you know, busy bees over here. And we talk about all good things, raising resilient children. We talk about supporting the microbiome, what foods we want to include in our diets to support our microbiome and our gut health and what the microbiome actually is, what that really means. We talk about combating sugar addiction. You know, Joy had a sugar addiction back in the day. So did I. And she talks about how she overcame that. And we also talk about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and just so much juicy content today that I think you guys are really going to love. Joy McCarthy is a holistic nutritionist and the founder of joyshealth.com, a Taste Canada award-winning blog focused on healthy living. She's a two-time best-selling author of Joy's Health and Joy's Detox, which is a World Gourmet Cookbook Award recipient. And her much-anticipated third book, The Joyous Cookbook, comes out late 2019. She is a passionate natural beauty lover. She has a line of natural hair care products and body care products that she founded in 2013. As an entrepreneur at heart, Joy co-founded a 12-week business program called the Joy's Health Business Program to help wellness entrepreneurs take their passion and create a thriving, successful business. She's a trusted expert nutrition and has been featured in hundreds of publications, both online, such as Well and Good, CNN, and CBC, and in print. And she's a regular health expert on television, including City Line and CTV's Your Morning. Joy lives in Toronto with her husband Walker and their daughter Vienna. Joy loves social media and shares her passion for food, family, and fun as a way to channel positive energy into the lives of others. I'm really excited for today's episode, so let's dive in with Joy McCarthy. Hi, Joy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for having me. It's about time you're here. Yes, I know. <laughs> so before we dive in, I would love it if you can share with our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, sure. So I'm a holistic nutritionist, uh, cookbook I run a blog called the joycehealth.com. I have a podcast like yourself, Joyce Health Podcast. And I've been doing this for about 10 years now, not the podcast, but Joyous Health, my brand. 
So it's a healthy lifestyle brand. And I started about 10 years ago. And really, my mission has been the same since day one. And that is just to inspire happy, healthy lives. That's amazing. And I know you got into the holistic nutrition journey. I feel like we have a very similar story because we both kind of have like sugar addiction. (laughs) So I know that was kind of one of your ways into, you know, holistic nutrition. So I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, totally. So I, growing up, you know, Sundays were always a special day with my family and my mom always like cooked food from scratch and Sundays just happened to be a day when we'd have the grandparents over and we would always have like a home baked dessert. So sweets for me were like very nostalgic. And as a teen and throughout my twenties, I remember always just thinking to myself, I am just someone who loves sugar. You know how there's some people who love salt, some people who love sugar. I'm in the sugar camp, although I have switched over the years. And so I just really sugar to me was very comforting and it made me feel really good. But into my twenties, when I actually started working in marketing and advertising, that was my previous career. I worked for an agency and my client was FM foods and they actually make Mars and Snickers and M&M's. So that was my client. And I literally had boxes upon boxes of M&M's under my desk. So I used to eat, you know, one, two, maybe sometimes more packages of M&Ms every single day. And I became like a full on sugar addict. And even though, you know, if you looked at my diet for the rest of the the day, you'd think, oh, Joy is eating really healthy. But I definitely was addicted to refined sugar. And then it would just make me crave more sugar, crave more caffeine. And it was just like this vicious cycle. And I honestly thought, I am a sugar addict. This is just me. I'm going to be this way for the rest of my life. Like it was really like this like dark shadow in my life (laughs) that I was like, it's going to be impossible to break. I'm never going to break my sugar addiction, but I did. Yeah. And so what were some of those symptoms that were showing up for you? Yeah. So for sure, low energy, like for sure I'd get a spike of energy when I had sugar, but then after like my energy would crash, I would feel moody in the evenings. I would just be like so peckish and wanting to eat every sort of carb because my blood sugar was just fluctuating so much. But this actually occurred after I had all my hormonal imbalance issue. So they were kind of like separate things, although eating all that sugar was absolutely affecting my hormones. For sure. So those were kind of some of the things I was puffy I would have bouts of eczema and I also had like felt anxious a lot of the time. So those were kind of some of the things that I was dealing with on a daily basis and bloated. That's probably the biggest thing I felt like constipated, bloated all the time. Just for, and it wasn't like a ton of refined sugar I was eating. It was just like that specific, you know, mid afternoon when my right. energy levels would drop. That was my go to instead of like some walnuts and some fruit or maybe <laughs> a healthy smoothie. But I just didn't know about those things back then. So I wasn't gravitating towards like good proteins and healthy fats. Right. But yeah, it was really affecting my health in so many different ways. For sure. So I'm sure there are lots of women that are listening who can relate and they're like reaching for that afternoon coffee or the afternoon sugar or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the first steps that you took to really combat your sugar cravings? Yeah. So the first thing was like, I had to do like cold turkey detox. There wasn't like a weaning off period off the refined sugar anyways. That was sort of the evidence. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I was like, you know what? Enough is enough. I feel like shit. I'm not looking so great. I need to make a change. So when I cut cold turkey, you know, it took a few days to like feel better. Like I definitely went through withdrawal, like sugar is so addictive. It can be as addictive, right, as smoking cigarettes. So going cold turkey is very hard, but I did. I had headaches. I felt cranky, but that didn't last very long. So that was one of the things. But then, you know, I definitely still had the desire for it. So I had to make some positive changes to my diet. You know, I started eating a lot more plant-based foods, making sure I was eating like lots of alkalinizing foods like lemon and water first thing in the morning, making green smoothies. But I would say that one of the most important things was just increasing the protein and the healthy fats in my diet. 
because as you know, like it's a great way to balance your blood sugar. Protein and fat take longer to digest. So adding those into my diet just helped me feel more satiated because it was those moments, like once I went cold turkey, it was the moments where I felt really hungry that my natural gravitation was like carbs, you know, not necessarily just M&Ms, but like starchy carbs, whether it's like cookies, chips, crackers, even like healthy crackers. That was my, the natural thing I would want to eat because I'd get, you know, that quick burst of energy. Right. But then when I changed that and instead, you know, had healthy protein and healthy fats, but also included complex carbs, that's when I really got over the hump. And I am happy to say I do not have sugar addiction now. Yeah. I actually find most desserts way too sweet for me. Yep. So I, you know, I really feel like if I was able to overcome it, that anyone can, because I really was such a sugar addict. And I, I remember thinking to myself in my twenties, this is just who I am. You know, when I'm 85, I'm going to be <laughs> popping my M&Ms. But now I couldn't even imagine like people would be like, oh, do you have cheat foods? I'm like, no, cause I don't feel like I need to cheat. Right. Yeah. Like I'm eating delicious foods every day and I don't feel, and no, I don't like if someone offered me some M&Ms, I would have no desire to eat that because I just think to myself, there's so much garbage in that. And I know how crappy eating that kind of food made me feel. So I just don't even bother with it. Totally. And I feel like, yeah, a lot, you're giving hope to so many women that are listening because I know so many people are kind of stuck in that rut. And I think that it's not just about necessarily what you take away, but it's what you add in. And like you said, like yes. adding in the protein, adding in the fat, these things will really help your cravings. And there's such a simple tweak that we can make. So yeah, thanks you for don't that. Want to deprive your, you don't want to deprive yourself. As soon as you deprive yourself, right, then you're craving other things. Like you can't, right. you just can't do that. So that's why it's important whenever you take something away, like you said, is to like add something healthy back in. And that's exactly what I did. And I still enjoyed natural sweeteners. By the way, when I say cold turkey, I meant cold turkey with refined sugar. I was still, you know, enjoying some natural sweeteners, but my taste buds did change. Yes. Because I also used to add artificial sweeteners to my like Starbucks non-fat vanilla latte. (laughs) (laughs) I used to add like my little sweet and low or whatever it was at the time. And I stopped that as well because you really need to like retrain your taste buds. Yeah, you do. You're not expecting, you know, that like super potent sweet flavor. And, you know, anyone who's ever done a sugar detox knows that once you cut out those refined sugars and artificial sweeteners, that things that are sweet are so much more sweet. Like eating local strawberries right now are so sweet. So delicious. Yeah, so delicious. I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, no, you make a really good point. It's like you are retraining your palate because the same thing with me. Like I had low fat foods and margarine and Splenda and like all that nonsense. And then once I started eating real whole foods, yeah, your palate totally changes. Yeah, absolutely. So we all know how detrimental sugar can be for the microbiome. And I know that this is a topic that you speak about regularly. So I'd love to dive into the microbiome. I think the first place to start is what is it? And then, you know, what are some steps we can take to support our microbiome? Yeah. So the the microbiome is an emerging area of research. It's very exciting. It's only, some would say it's really only maybe a decade old. Other scientists would say, no, 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 we've been studying this for 20 years, but the fact is there's still so much we don't know. But what we do know is that we have trillions of microbes, bacteria, virus that live on our body and in our body and affect everything from our mood to the health of our skin to the health of our immune system. And we have a large concentration of them in the gut, in particular in the colon. So every time we eat, Every time we get outside in nature, every time we pet a dog, every time we hug or kiss someone, we are altering the microbes that live in us and on us. So this is why we actually have this amazing opportunity to positively influence our microbiome. And we're just talking about sugar. Sugar is not something your microbiome (laughs) really thrives on, even though it may seem like a Thanksgiving feast. It's a Thanksgiving feast for the bad bacteria that live in your body and on your body. But yeah, that's essentially what it is. And there's now even research, you know, there's some holistic psychiatrists that are looking at how they can potentially treat anxiety and depression with certain microbes. There is actually emerging research on children and cognitive health. 
there are certain strains of microbes that are very, very helpful for every kind of intest like digestive problem, whether it be IBS, constipation, diarrhea, bloating. There are specific microbes that can help to reduce those. And also for like upper respiratory colds and flus, there's so much we're learning, but there's still so much we don't even know. But you know, bacteria were here before us and they'll be here once there's no more humans. So bacteria are pretty fascinating. That's pretty awesome. So I'd love to hear about some of your favorite gut healing foods. Oh, so many. My favorite gut healing foods, I would say just like you know, I'll start broad and I would say just making sure that you eat lots of plant-based foods because plant-based foods are full of phytonutrients. Phyto means plant, obviously nutrient. And there are specific types of phytonutrients called polyphenols. There's around 500 different types of polyphenols and polyphenols, many of them actually act like prebiotics. So there are compounds naturally occurring in plant foods that feed the microbes, that that's literally their sole purpose. So these foods that don't even get absorbed in the small intestine, they travel to your large intestine and they're actually food for the bacteria. So that would definitely be just like eat more plant foods. But within that category, then there's very specific foods that can be beneficial. Of course, fermented foods, but there's always a little asterisk with that because for some people, a very, very small percentage of people fermented foods can exacerbate some of their symptoms. But overall, fermented foods, whether it's sauerkraut or kimchi or kefir or yogurt, contain live bacteria. Now, the research isn't really clear, actually, whether that live bacteria is doing something very specific in your gut or if it's just has a purpose and then quickly leaves. So that's still like an emerging area of research. But what we do know about fermented foods is because of the fact that they are like a pre-digested food, the nutrients are so much more bioavailable than that really optimizes and, and helps your digestive system and helps your body overall because you're better able to absorb those nutrients. So we consider the fermented foods to be like probiotic foods, but they're not actually really the same as taking a probiotic. Right. Yeah. So definitely eating fermented foods, but then listening to your body. Because like I said, some people, especially if you're sensitive to histamine, you do have to be careful with some fermented foods. And then also, you know, when you're grocery shopping, I'd say the most important thing, not focusing so much on specific foods, but making sure that you fill your grocery cart with a variety of colors. Because Color is a cue for health, right? It's so simple. Eat a rainbow, but phytonutrients are what give plants their beautiful color. And so if you want to make sure you eat a gut-friendly diet, you want to be eating lots of different colors. So lots of green foods, obviously kale and bok choy, and then lots of red foods and purple foods and orange foods. And the key is really to make sure you have variety because We know if you look at the research, like North Americans are not eating variety. Like 40% of children's fruit and veggie intake actually comes from fruit juice and white potato. Oh God. And North American adults, theirs is very similar, fruit juice, white potato, and oranges. So the average person is actually eating very few phytonutrients and phytonutrients are so incredibly important for those microbes to really thrive. They need plant foods. Yeah, I totally agree. I always say to my clients, I'm like, I bet if I followed you around for like seven full days and saw everything you ate, you'd be eating the same things over and over and over again. So I always, I'm always reminding myself of the same thing because sometimes it's easy to get caught up in just making the same thing and eating the same thing. Yeah. And even the people who are really healthy too, like you probably do find this in your practice, like when people come to you and say, oh, I'm so healthy. I don't know why I have these health issues. And then you look at their food journal and you're like, "Um, okay, you're eating healthy foods, but you're eating the same things all the time. Do you notice that in your own practice? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. It's like chicken every day, eggs every day, a spinach salad every day. Like it's just the same repetitive thing. And I mean, I get that from a time perspective, maybe it can be easy for a lot of people to meal prep the same thing, but variety is, is so key. You're making me think of, are you familiar with the carnivore diet? Yes. I just learned about this only like a month ago. I'd never heard of it. Yeah. It's so random. Like I'm not an expert in it. I don't know too much about it, but because we were just talking about, you know, eating plant-based and I was like, oh my God, like what's happening to all these people who are on the carnivore diet and their gut health? 
I know that's exactly what I thought because what we know right now, I mean, so I'm obviously not vegan. I don't, when I say eat plant-based, I do eat fish and eggs and I consume like sheep, dairy. And, but if you are just eating meat, this is really not ideal for your microbiome. And there is emerging research that shows that there are significant changes to your gut bacteria only eating animal foods. So of course, animal foods have so many other benefits, but if that's all you're eating, you are not feeding your microbes and that's actually quite dangerous. So I'm not a fan of that diet. Just goes to show you that diets stink. Totally. And there's no (laughs) one diet for everybody, right? Yeah, I totally agree. I'd be curious for those who are doing the carnivore diet. I feel like everybody should go and do a GI map test. And like, I keep talking about this GI map test because I have to go do mine myself, but it will show you and give you a breakdown of like the different bacteria and whatnot. I think like that is something that should be monitored if somebody is going to go do the carnivore diet. I agree a hundred percent. And then also like, how are they getting any fiber? I was chatting with someone about this and they're like, oh, well, you know, your body just takes what it needs. That's why you don't poop as much. I'm like, mm, no, I think it's, you're not pooping as much because you're just not, you know, consuming any fiber. Constipated basically. <laughs> yeah. And also like, it's so important to eat plant foods just to eat your hydration. You know, we know drinking water is important, but right. So much of your hydration actually comes from your food too. And like a steak is the least hydrating thing or chicken or eggs. They are not particularly hydrating. So yeah, I'm really not a fan of, of that diet at all. Yeah. Especially during like right now, it's summer. It's so hot out. Like I crave things yeah. like cucumber and just I'm drinking more water than I normally would and like eating local and seasonal and Yeah. Anyhow, just thought I would ask. (laughs) So going back to the microbiome, I remember you saying something about with Vienna, like you didn't wash her when you came from the hospital. Yeah. I'd love for you to tell that story. Yeah. So when, uh, okay. So when a baby obviously travels through the birth canal, that is when it swallows and, and essentially that's its first touch point with the microbiome. And so a baby's first bacteria that is born via vaginal birth is mom's vaginal bacteria and her fecal bacteria as well. Now that might seem gross, but that's actually really important. So when Vienna was born, I had a midwife and she, so Vienna has, you know, she had all the like gook all over her. (laughs) Right. So the midwife was like, you know, wiped her down kind of thing, but they're like, don't wash Vienna for a few days because, you know, there's tons of beneficial microbes all over her body. And I'm like, oh, you're speaking my language. (laughs) So I literally, for like a week, I, I like didn't give her a bath and still to this day, so she's three and a half now. I don't actually use a soap on her body at all. I know there will come a point when we have to, you know, when she starts to smell because her hormones change and she has no, that we'll have to be washing her armpits. But for the most part, when she has a bath, we wash her hair and then she just does a little wash to her butt and her lady bits. And sometimes it's funny if she, if we're giving her a bath and we like just wash her hair and we forget the rest, she'll be like, mommy, my, my lady bits. (laughs) Aww. So we don't actually use soap on her body and she has such beautiful, healthy skin. And just knowing that, you know, I am definitely more prone to dry skin and she definitely got that from me. Her skin is more on the dry side. So that's why I'm careful with soap and like washes and stuff because that's going to wash off that natural layer of oil that's on her skin. And also just being in water, water really zaps your skin of hydration. So the microbiome is so incredibly important in babies and in children. And I think we really, you know, new moms listening to this or like, you know, people who are considering getting pregnant in the future really want to consider the health of their microbiome when they're, when they're pregnant. Cause there's now even emerging research showing that, you know, if you, when you're pregnant, eat not well, like if you're eating a lot of fast foods, eating a poor diet, just a lot of junk and fried foods, this is actually changing your microbiome, which actually affects the microbiome of your baby because what microbes are they going to be exposed to when they are born? So the microbiome of a woman who has gained an excessive amount of weight during pregnancy is dramatically changed. So, you know, it's really important when you are pregnant to eat really well to nourish your microbiome so that you have a healthy baby. And so that after when you do have your child, it's just so much easier to 
you know, I don't want to say like get back to what you were before because that's not always realistic, but you know, just, I think some people have the mentality that they just kind of throw it away when they're pregnant. Oh, I'm eating for two. You know, I can eat ice cream every single day and, and have fast food, but you really want to think that you're growing a human inside you and you want to give them the best possible foundation. Absolutely. So speaking of nourishing the microbiome in babies and children, is it similar to what we would do as adults? Like what would change there? So the obvious being like what mom does is so key. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd say one of the most important things is that you do everything you can to breastfeed because we know that there is a considerable portion, I think it's around 10 to 20% of a mother's breast milk that isn't even nourishment for the baby. It's nourishment for the microbes. So now I know this can be kind of a heated topic for many moms because not every mom is able to breastfeed. But what I would say to that is just do everything you can to, you know, if you're having trouble breastfeeding, do everything you can to try and do that. If you can't do it, you can't do it. But I would say one of the most impactful things that you can do as a mom is in fact breastfeed because unfortunately formula does not exactly mimic what is provided in a woman's breast milk. So that's so important. And then obviously, once your child is able to start eating, whether it's five months or six months, then making sure that they too eat plant foods and eat foods that are nourishing their microbiome. And so as a mom, you know, before your child is able to eat foods, like obviously nourishing your own microbiome, but then when your child is able to eat foods, make that a priority. And also I think it's really important as much as possible to really avoid antibiotics in babies because we know research shows that that puts children at such a greater risk for eczema, for food allergies, and for asthma when they have been on antibiotics before the age of one because what antibiotics do for their very nature is kill bacteria. These bacteria are so important in forming that baby's developing immune system. So antibiotics, again, there's some cases where you have to use them. Like they're life-saving measures, right? But the overuse of antibiotics, especially, you know, with kids, you know, toddlers who get ear infections all the time, you know, a lot of ear infections are viral infections. So I'm not giving medical advice out here. You know, I want parents to be careful. If your child has a really bad ear infection, go to the doctor, but then really do your own research, you know, Go online and go to reputable websites and like look up information about ear infections and learn about it. And perhaps, you know, you may be able to treat an ear infection more naturally or bronchitis. You know, bronchitis is viral. So if your child has a chesty cough, antibiotics may not be the best course of action. And knock on wood, Vienna has never been on antibiotics, but she has definitely been sick. You know, she actually has, she had croup on like Monday night and a fever, but you know, we just manage it as naturally as we can. And when we have to take her to the pediatrician, we do, but we always ask those questions. You know, I, the pediatrician will be like, oh, you know, I could give you this antibiotic. Is that something that you would like to do? Like we have a really great pediatrician and we're always like, well, you know, what is, you know, what are the pros and cons of this? So right. we've almost always said no. So avoiding antibiotics for the health of your child's microbiome is really, really important. Yeah. Those are some really, really great tips there. And I always think it's important to like, don't just take what your doctor says at face value. Like it's so important to have a team of people, like, you know, your health team Yes, so that you can have second and third opinions. I agree so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think more of us are waking up, you know, to the reality that one person doesn't have all the answers. Right. And our medical doctor who maybe has, you know, 10 hours of nutrition education may not be the best person to be suggesting what we should eat and what we shouldn't eat. So, of course, there are lots of functional medical doctors out there now who are very well informed about nutrition. But if your medical doctor is not informed about nutrition and you go to them because you have high cholesterol or you keep getting a sinus infection, then maybe it's time to hire someone like you or someone like Josh. Go see a, a holistic practitioner 
who can help you because both of us as well, you know, when I had hormonal imbalance, I went for years and years through the, you know, Western medical system. Totally. You know, was on drugs for anxiety. I was on drugs for my gut problems. I was, you know, taking birth control pill. And where was I getting sicker? And my microbiome at the time, I didn't even know, was dramatically changing from all these different medications that I was taking. So I think we just need to be more awake and ask questions. Don't just accept what you're told is your reality. And I think it really gives you a lot of confidence in knowing that you are in charge of your own health. You are responsible for your own health and you know your body better than anybody else. So I believe that we have a lot of the answers within ourselves to heal our own body. Absolutely. I love that. Yes, totally agree. So just going back to raising resilient children, yeah, I know Vienna is such a great eater and you feed her like (laughs) such a variety of food, but I know that there are so many parents who feel stuck and they feel lost and they feel like their kids are picky eaters, like they don't know how to get them to eat healthy. So what were some of the strategies that you put in place to really ensure Vienna was a healthy and happy eater? Yeah. So I love that question. First of all, it's a wonderful thing to talk about because I really do think a lot of parents struggle about that. And I just want to put it out there that, you know, Vienna also is quite a picky eater. There's a lot of foods that she will not even try and a lot of foods that she really just doesn't like. So I feel the struggle too. You know, I don't have this child who eats, you know, absolutely everything Everything, from sauerkraut to mushrooms. There's many foods she doesn't like. But one thing I was very intentional with when I was introducing foods to her when she was a baby was, you know, of course I started out with single ingredient foods for like the first month or like six weeks or whatnot, just to get her used to foods. And obviously you want to track to see if your baby has any food allergies. Right. But then once I felt like we got on a good path and we had introduced quite a few foods, I started introducing like a lot more flavors. Like for example, when I would make her scrambled eggs, I would put like certified organic curry powder on her eggs and make her like curry scrambled eggs. And I would add rosemary to things and I would add all different flavors so that she would get a taste of all of these different flavors. Now, once she was able to actually voice what she wanted and didn't want, she was very clear what she didn't (laughs) like. So I get it with parents like who struggle with picky eaters. But the one thing you have to remember, I feel like many parents get so discouraged and get so stressed out and take so much weight on their shoulders that their child is not an adventurous eater eater, but you have to, you can't get stressed out by it because honestly, it's always such a fleeting moment with the food they hate, then they might like it the next week. And the other thing I think it's important to introduce, if you introduce something to your child and they hate it, like most babies don't love a food the first time they try it. So you have to try it again. I would recommend anywhere from seven to 10 times trying a food over the course of a few months. And if they just hate it, then remember, like, there's foods that you and I don't like. For sure. Right? Like, Vienna hates mushrooms. And so for a while, I was like, well, why don't you just, like, why not? And she's like, slimy. I don't like the texture. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, then I realized I had, like, a little, had to check in with myself. Well, maybe she just doesn't like mushrooms, and that's okay. Totally. So I think, you know, with parents, I think the key is to offer them lots of variety, get them to try things multiple times and then take a break from a food. Like if they're really not into it and it's a really healthy food you want them to like, just take a break from it and try it again. And if they still hate it, well, hey, maybe they they just don't like it. Right, right. Fair enough. And we're the same. Yeah, it's funny because like even my sister-in-law, she like, when we make pizza for her, when Gaten and I make pizza, she's like, don't put onions on my pizza. And I mean, like, we're talking about like a 42 year old woman, right? I'm like, what do you mean you don't like onions on your pizza? Right. But it's true. It's just like, there are certain things that people just don't like. Yeah. And that's okay. And you know, it's funny. Vienna used to love onions. Like she would eat red onions with everything from when she was a baby. Crazy. And then one day she's like, I hate onions and I can't put onions on anything. So it's the weirdest thing. Mind you, I can't eat onions anymore. A couple months ago, I think maybe I ate too many and I've created my own food sensitivity. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, I can't eat onions. I can't even like have the smallest shred of an onion. My stomach just gurgles. It makes these crazy gurgling noises. wild. And it's so disruptive that it actually keeps me up at night. Wow. Is it like any kind of onion? I, well, I haven't like experimented with a variety. 
Right. But I had some, I made a galette the other night and it had leeks on it. And my stomach, my tummy was like totally gurgling. I'm like, so this is random. the weirdest thing. Like, I'm like, is it a FODMAP thing? But then like other FODMAP foods aren't bothering my gut. It's just onions. So I was, I've been kind of disappointed about it, but I'm just kind of going to get over it. I was actually thinking about you the other day because I was like, I want to make a galette and I know exactly who to ask. <laughs> oh yeah. I love galettes. They're just so easy and just like the best. They're so pretty. Yeah, they really are. I'm totally going to go on your site. I yeah, think you yeah. have one on your site, right? I do. I have a kale sun-dried tomato galette. Amazing. And once you make it once, like once you know the formula, the sky's the limit. You can do so many different things with a galette. It's just like a messy pie. Yeah, right, right, right. I, and I, I'm terrible at making pie. I cannot make a pie crust for the life of me. <laughs> I can't either. Yeah. So I was like, galette's the next option. But I want to do like a sweet one, like a peach and blueberry or something. Yeah. Yeah, so good. Okay, cool. I'll follow your recipe. <laughs> so I kind of want to switch gears because you run a business. You are married. You're a busy mom. I mean, what do you do for you? Oh, that's a very good question. What do I do for me? I watch Game of Thrones. No. <laughs> As you know, we were talking earlier. Yeah. I just watched the last season of it. I do like little things every day. There's not like, you know, when I get asked this question, some people are like, do you like book a spa day? And like, no, right. I'm like, no, I actually never do that. But I do things for me, like going for a walk. Lots of times when Vienna goes to bed, especially now that it's like so light for so long, like Vienna will go to bed, Walker will be at home and I'll go for a walk in, in the park by myself. And that's like time, you know, just for myself. So just like getting outside in nature is something that I do for me. Something else I do for me is listen to podcasts that's just like my time, you know, not everyone else like Walker may not always be into the same things I want to listen to. So I just like plug in my earbuds and I just listen. That's just for me. I say like, those are like the two main things. Cause I feel like, you know, having a business and having a child, you're, my life is just so much more full than it was pre Vienna. So I feel like I don't have a lot of time to myself, but the time I do have, I really value. And I don't, feel overwhelmed. Even though it seems like a lot is going on, I don't feel overwhelmed. And I, I know a lot of moms do feel that way, but I think it's really tough if you are a mom and you don't have a co-parent. And I know it's hard for a lot of parents because like a lot of times one person is like working full time and the other person is at home with the kids. Right. But in my case, I know that I'm lucky because obviously Walker and I work together. So we also co-parent together, which I think is why a lot of times I don't feel overwhelmed because you know what, if I am feeling like really, really tired, like last night, I felt so exhausted just because it has been busy and Walker's like, you know what, I'm going to make dinner. And I'm like, great. I'll take care of, you know, Vienna, whatever she was up to. I'll go like hang with her. And, and that was great. So awesome. Those are kind of the things I do for me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. It's funny because I haven't watched Game of Thrones yet. We were just talking about that. And every time I say that, people are like, what? Like, how did you not start that yet? But Gaten <laughs> and I have not gone into it. And so, yeah, I mean, you bring up some really great points there, especially about like your flexibility with your schedule, right? And not everybody has that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. Like I work from home, so there's so much more that I get to do versus being stuck in like kind of like a nine to five. Yeah. So sure. what's the dynamic having Walker working with him, <laughs> being together a lot? What are some of the ups and downs and, and, you know, the challenges that you guys go through? Yeah. So we spend a lot of time together. <laughs> Obviously we, yeah. he's, well, you saw him here earlier. He, he left the office to go work from a cafe, which he's happy to do. <laughs> But yeah, so we definitely, you know, it's interesting when your business partner is your husband, you definitely argue differently than you would if it was like not your husband. Totally. Or, you know, you'd argue differently than if it was your employee. You know, yeah. you may not say, you might not, might not feel as comfortable saying the kinds of things to an employee that you would <laughs> totally. say to your husband. So we have to be careful with that sometimes, sometimes, especially we have other people in the office and we will definitely fight like a husband and wife. And sometimes we have to like pull it back and be like, oh shit, there's like other people here. They're like, right. they might, you know, maybe it's not like so appropriate, but we do always, you know, we're 
always like respectful with each other, but it can be challenging when we both feel very strongly about something to do with the business because Walker, you know, even though I started Joyous Health and it was just me for the first five years, when Walker joined the company, I never wanted him to feel like his ideas didn't matter. And I didn't want it to be like, I wear the pants. I'm the boss. We do what I say. For sure. So I was very, that was something that I really did. I was very intentional about that, you know, everything we do, we are going to do it together. It's going to be a joint decision. But definitely there have been times when we both have not agreed. For <laughs> so sure. that we do high, kind of have to compromise or, or, you know, if we really don't agree on something and it gets really heated, then we have to just like take a break from each other. Which doesn't happen very often, but it, you know, it definitely happens. It's bound to happen for sure. Yeah, definitely. But overall, it's just the greatest thing ever. Like I love the thing with working with your partner, working with Walker, the best part is that I know 100% without a shadow of a doubt that what he wants for the business, he has good intention and he wants good things. He wants growth and he wants to invest in the company, invest his time. So I feel like, you know, when we have a difference of opinion, it's always coming from a good place. For sure. It just makes me feel really comfortable that I don't always, you know, I'm not working I'm all, I'm doing maybe like 30 hours a week now. I mean, obviously it fluctuates week by week, but you know, prior to having Walker with me and having a team, I was working way more hours. Mm-hmm. But that just wasn't sustainable once we had Vienna. So, you know, having a business partner allows me to also be a parent and then, you know, have time to myself as well. So I know that there are plenty of women out there looking up to you because you have such an amazing brand and business and you've done such an awesome job as an entrepreneur. So what are your tips for other entrepreneurs out there that maybe are just starting out with their nutrition business, they're feeling stuck, they're lost, and they're just really not sure the direction to go into? Yeah. So I would say one of the key things when you are starting is to, I think a lot of people get stuck in moving forward and they feel that, oh, I can't get a blog out because I've just been mulling it over for like two weeks or I can't do an Instagram because it's not perfect. You got to just start somewhere as a place. So start somewhere. And then once you get going, you kind of get like a momentum. So I think it's really key as an entrepreneur to like, I live by my calendar. I put everything in my calendar, whether it is like working on a new recipe or writing a blog post or doing this podcast with you, everything goes in my calendar. And before I was really busy and had lots of things to go in my calendar, which I still have today is I have like a content calendar. So the content calendar is something that we live by at Joyous House. So we always know what's up and coming. So, you know, every week, We know what podcast is coming out, what blog posts we're going to do, what Instagrams we're going to have coming out. We know the content for at least five to six weeks in advance. So we always make sure that we have something up and coming. That being said, when I wasn't very busy and it was just me and I was trying to build my business, I still had a content calendar because content is so important for marketing your business. And so I always knew, even though I might not have all of my content written for the next two months, I knew that, okay, it's strawberry season right now. A big part of what I do is create recipes. I know that this week I need to have a recipe. I know that next week I need to have a recipe. So I would have an idea what that recipe looks like. So for the next several weeks, even though it wouldn't be created yet, I would know what that piece of content is going to be. So having a content calendar and sort of knowing what you're going to be talking about or just having themes, you know, the other thing you can do is like have a theme for the month and know, you know, what are the different things that you want to talk about for that month. So having writing down in your calendar, like scheduling stuff in, in your calendar to do it and then having an actual content calendar or an editorial calendar is really, really key. Yeah, I totally agree. I literally live and breathe by my calendar. Without it, I'd be so lost. Yeah. And you're really good with planning like six weeks out. I'm, (laughs) I feel like I do things, so many things in the fly. I just have like ideas and I'm like immediately want to execute on them. But that's good too. Like, I think you got to have room for that. Like, there's definitely lots of spontaneity. Like, I allow myself, 
even though we do have a six week and sometimes even longer, like I even know some content for the fall that I, that I have to get done, like sponsored posts and whatnot. For sure. And allow yourself to have that spontaneity too, because then that's sometimes the best. Like if you read something or you found out about a new study and you feel really inspired about it, there's no reason you can't like slot that in. For sure. Because sometimes those are the best pieces of content where you have to like reel yourself back in is when you're not actually getting anything done because you're, you're dabbling in so, so many pieces. Yeah. So yeah, you know, focus is really key. So another thing I do when I have something I need to write, I like shut down my social media. I turn off my email and I just like focus on what I need to do. And that really, really helps me. Yeah, it's a crazy how distracting social media is. Oh it's such a time it can be such a time waster. It really really is and I've been more conscious of it too, of like keeping the phone out of my office when I have like deadlines yeah. and things I need to get done cuz it is really distracting and same with email, it's just overloading. It is so yeah. hard to to get back to everybody and I think oh, it's impossible. It really is and I feel like often the tips that I like share with a lot of the business students I coach, and I know you have your business program as well, like things will get missed. Something will kind of like fall through and, and you just kind of have to know like that that's kind of part of it. You can't yeah. do everything. Oh, you can't do everything. But then you also get to a point when you're so busy that you have to hire people. Yes, of course. And as well, you get to a point where you need a team of people. Totally. And I really found that once I recognized that, you know, several years ago when I hired someone to help me with like graphic design stuff, yeah. then I found that my brand really evolved and became so much more professional because everything that people saw from, you know, filling out the wellness form to getting a postcard of a recipe at a workshop, everything was very cohesive and very on brand, very joyous health. So when I spent money on that, it really actually helped my business get to the next level. Totally. Awesome. I love that. So I know that that's really valuable for so many, so many entrepreneurs that are listening and tell us a little bit more about the joyous health business program. Yeah. So it is a 12 week online program that starts in September to help people create the foundations of a successful, thriving business. So over the 12 weeks, we actually have six different video modules. So it's all delivered in videos. Every other week you get a new chunk of videos. So that's why it's six modules, but it's in the span of 12 weeks, right? Every single week over the 12 weeks, you had to have a live call with Walker and I, where we answer everyone's questions and talk about the theme of the week. And there's always a project or an assignment for every single module as well. So we teach people everything from the tools to cultivate a community, to grow like a thriving newsletter list, to grow your Instagram, to grow your Twitter. So we get like really nitty gritty into all like the social channels. And we also talk about the operations of your business, which is truly the heartbeat of your business. You know, being on top of your admin and your invoicing and your taxes. And then also we have a whole module on making money because many wellness practitioners don't realize how they can really diversify their business. And there's so many areas where they can make money and they don't have to rely just on one-on-ones. Totally. Just one product. Like there's so many different ways you can make money. And we teach people all of those different ways. We talk about how to set up your website, but it's not just a program. Like we've had people take the program who have an existing natural health product who already have a business, but want to take their business to the next level. So we've had people like that. And then we've had people that are literally fresh out of school and don't even know their business name. And by the end of it, they've set up their website. They have a business name. They feel inspired. So it's really such an amazing program that I'm so proud of. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I do, as you probably know, like I do a lot of business coaching as well. And I think it's so great for like us who are, have been an expert in this space for so long now and to really share and teach from like a really authentic place and to really kind of pull back the curtain and give people the support that they need because it's challenging and you can't do it alone. No, And it's important to to really get that support and and invest in that part for your business for growth. So awesome. So yeah, that's really great. We'll share details about that in our show notes. And lastly, I want to talk about the Joyous Cookbook because that's what's coming up in December. Yeah. I feel like you're now like an expert at writing books because this is your third book. 
what was your journey like writing your third book? Well, this third cookbook was very, very different because this time round, I didn't hire a photographer. Walker does all the photography for the blog. He's been doing it for years now. So when I got the opportunity- And he's so good at it. <laughs> yeah, he's so talented, completely self-taught. And when I had the opportunity to write a third cookbook, I said to my publisher, like, I don't want to do this unless Walker shoots it. I can't imagine anyone else like being in my kitchen and just doesn't make sense. So that's the biggest difference is that Walker and I created this cookbook together. Amazing. There's a hundred recipes. There's a photo with every single recipe. It's for everyone from, you know, health nuts to food lovers to families. It's for everybody. And it's not a detox cookbook. It is just really wholesome, nourishing foods with ingredients you can buy at your grocery store. And I know it's, I'm really excited. Like, I feel like my third cookbook is definitely going to be the best cookbook I've ever created, the best recipes, because now I feel like I've had so much practice from creating. Like I have hundreds of recipes on the blog. I have my first two cookbooks. So yeah, it's just more delicious recipes. (laughs) Awesome. I love that. Well, can't wait to get my hands on it. And thanks for being with us today. Where can our audience come find you? They can find me at joyshealth.com. So J-O-Y-O-U-S health.com. Obviously I'm on social media as well. I have a YouTube channel. So just look up joyous health and you'll be able to find me. You're everywhere. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And yeah, we'll talk to you real soon. Thanks for being here with us. Thanks, Sam. Take care. You too. Okay, everybody, hope you enjoyed that interview with Joy McCarthy. And if it impacted you, please share it over on social media and tag both myself and Joy and let us know how much you enjoyed it. You can get all of today's show notes over on the website, holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 69. Thanks everybody for tuning in. I'll chat with you guys next week. Have a wonderful week and have a wonderful day. Take care. Chat soon.